Good morning. My name is Mike Vonderau, and it's my privilege to share with you all this morning. We are in the middle of this sermon series called I Am Jesus in His Own Words. And so I want to begin by asking the question why do we want to look at Jesus according to His own words? Well, you know, there's a lot of ideas out there about who Jesus is, and there have been for the last 2,000 years. You know, some have said he's a great teacher, he's a great miracle worker. Others have called him a revolutionary. Some have said, well, you know, he's just was just a nice all-around guy. Some people have said, well, I think he was a myth. Others have said, well, I think he was a liar. And still others have said, I think he was a delusionary person with a God complex. That may be what others have said about him, but what is Jesus, what has he said about himself? And do those claims that he's made square with what we know about him? You know, at one point in Jesus' ministry, he turned to his disciples and he said, who do people say that I am? In other words, what's the word on the street? What are they saying about me? And his disciples said, well, you know, some people think that you're John the Baptist, come back from the dead. Other people think that you're Elijah, and still others think you're another prophet. And then Jesus asked this question. He said, who do you say that I am? And see, that's the most important question for all of us this morning. See, it doesn't really matter who your co-workers say Jesus is, or who your friends say Jesus is, or your neighbors. It doesn't matter who your parents say he is, or who the History Channel says he is. What matters is, who do you say that he is? And so in this series, we're taking a look at Jesus according to his own words and the way he described himself. And specifically, we're looking in John's gospel, the seven I am statements that Jesus made about himself. So a quick recap on where, where, this, where these statements come from. If you were to go back to Exodus chapter 3, when Moses who was a shepherd by trade, is tending his flock in the wilderness. And he sees a burning bush off in the distance and he goes up closer to see what's going on. And God speaks to him from this bush and calls him to lead his people, the Israelites, out of slavery in Egypt to the promised land. Now Moses has a lot of questions for God in that conversation in Exodus chapter 3. One of which is, God, suppose that I go to the Israelites And I say to them, the God of your ancestors has called me to lead you out of this place. And they say to me, well, what's his name? What am I going to tell them? And God says, I am. Now, what does that mean? That sounds like kind of a strange name. Well, when God says, I am, he's saying, I'm the one who has always existed. I've always been here. And I will always be here. I'm the one who, if I didn't exist, nothing else would exist. But because I exist, you exist, and everything else does too. I am. That's who I am. Fast forward 1,400 years later, and Jesus arrives on the scene. God takes on flesh and dwells among us. And in John chapter 8, Jesus is in a heated discussion with the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were the religious leaders, the very serious, devout religious people of his day. And so Jesus is having this back and forth with the Pharisees. 
And, uh, and he says to them, you know, I tell you the truth, your forefather Abraham, he rejoiced at my coming. And they said to him, Jesus, you're not even 50 years old. How do you claim to know our father Abraham who lived 2,000 years ago? And Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was, I am. That is Jesus in his own words. And throughout John's gospel, he uses these seven different I am statements where Jesus reveals to us who he is and what he's about. So today, the statements that we're going to look at, two of them, I am the good shepherd and I am the gate. So I'm going to ask you to grab the pew Bible in front of you or your own if you brought it. You can use your phone if you want. Just be honest and read the Bible on it. Don't play games. Um, Ezekiel chapter 34. So we're going to be in the Old Testament to start. And that's going to kind of give us the context of what's going on here. And then we're going to jump over to the New Testament after that. So Ezekiel 34. And we're going to start in verse 1. And while you're looking for that, I'm going to say a word of prayer for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together as a church family with kids and all. And God, we just thank you for that. And God, we just ask that as we open up your word this morning, that you would speak to us, that you'd give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Help us to understand more and more who you are according to your own words. Amen. All right, so this passage in Ezekiel is going to give us a little bit of background context on what Jesus means in the New Testament in John's Gospel when he says, I am the good shepherd. So this is... Ezekiel prophesying to the leaders of Israel, to God's people, and these are the words God's given him, says this, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep, you eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you, you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The stray you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. And so they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the wild beasts. And my sheep were scattered and they wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered all over the face of the earth with no one to search or seek for them. We're going to stop there. So the primary image in the Bible and throughout the Bible, the primary image of God's appointed leader is that of a shepherd. So Moses was literally a shepherd and then he also shepherded God's people out of, out of Egypt. David was the shepherd boy who became the king. They call him the shepherd king. Psalm 23, of course, says, the Lord is my what? Lord is my? Good, I'm glad we got that. So, so this, we have this image throughout the scriptures of the shepherd being God's appointed leader of his people. And if that's what a leader is in the Bible, then it means that a leader's job is to guide a leader's job is to protect. A leader's job is to care for. 
Now just a quick aside here, when you think of that image of a shepherd as a leader, does that square with your image of what a leader is? I say, what's a leader in politics? What is a leader in the business world? What is a leader in, you fill in the blank and name the context. Does a shepherd come to mind? One whose job is to guide and to protect and to care for. Just throw that out there as a thought. So in Ezekiel 34, what we have here is in two things. One, it's an indictment against the leaders of Israel at that time. The leaders had failed. And why had they failed? Because they weren't caring for the sheep. They weren't putting the needs of the sheep first. They were putting their needs first. In fact, they were taking advantage of the sheep. They were taking advantage of the people. They were using their position of of leadership and privilege to their own advantage. And for that reason, they failed. And because they failed, God says his people, the sheep, they were scattered. And they were wandering. And they were lost. And they were in danger. And there was no one to seek them. But if we move down a little bit further in that passage, we see that it's not just in Ezekiel 34. It's not just an indictment of those leaders. There's also a promise in that passage. And it comes down in verse 15 when God says this. Because of their failure, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. Here's what it says in the rest of that, those two verses. And I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. Even though the leaders had failed, God says, I myself will step in and I will be the leader. I will be the shepherd of my sheep. And 500 years later, when Jesus arrives on the scene, here's what he says in John chapter 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. Jesus is saying in this statement, in this verse, when God promised in Ezekiel 34 that he himself would be that shepherd, I am. I'm the incarnation. I am God with flesh on. And so Jesus is the one who has come to lead the sheep to good pastures and to bind up the broken and heal the sick and seek and save the lost. Jesus is saying, I am the fulfillment of that promise made long ago. So now, if you would, we're going to flip over to the New Testament, John chapter 10. So the Gospels go Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Hold the bus till I get on. You can remember it that way. That's how I remember it. So John, the fourth gospel, and we're going to be in chapter 10. And we're going to look at this passage in which Jesus talks about being the good shepherd and the gate. So a little bit of background information. Here's what happens in chapter 9, right before what we're going to look at. In chapter 9, right in the beginning, Jesus heals a man who was born blind. And this was kind of a big deal in town. He happened to heal him on a Saturday. And you might think, well, what difference does it make what day of the week Jesus healed this man on? Well, it made a lot of difference to the Pharisees, the very strict, devout, religious people. Because Saturday was the Sabbath. And when they heard that Jesus had healed this man on the Sabbath, they couldn't make sense of it. Because they said, he doesn't keep the Sabbath. And if he doesn't keep the Sabbath then he's not from God. And if he's not from God, how did he heal this man? 
We don't understand. And so they start trying to research and question, and they're upset. And, they, and they eventually they start interrogating this man, the man who was blind and now can see. And they even say to him, they say, give glory to God. We know that Jesus is a sinner. So just tell, tell us he's a sinner. Give glory to God and let say that. And the man's response is beautiful. He says, listen, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know, but one thing I do know, I was blind, and now I see. You want to know what's beautiful about that? You know, you may have people in your life, uh, friends, family members, co-workers, who question you about your faith, and maybe they have some really tough questions, questions that you can't even begin to answer. And maybe sometimes you think, well, I, you know, I wish I had gone to seminary or something. I would know some of these answers. I have good news for you. You don't need to go to seminary. If God calls you to, you should go. But you don't need to, to answer these questions. It's good to be prepared to give an answer when someone asks. But you know what? It's also good just to say, you know, if someone says, well, if God's so good, how come there's so much evil in the world? Well, I don't know. But one thing I do know is here is what God has done in my life. You know, they could debate you on any other question, but when you say, this is what God did in my life, that's your own experience, that's your own testimony, and there's no debating that. And that's exactly what this man did. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, and now I see. So Jesus comes back to visit this man later. And he does come to faith and begin worshiping Jesus right on the spot. But then the situation, the confrontation with Jesus and the Pharisees, it escalates. And they want some answers about who Jesus is. So when John chapter 10 begins, Jesus is addressing these Pharisees. And he's trying to give them the answers, answer their question here. So John chapter 10, starting in verse 1. Jesus says to the Pharisees, Truly, truly, I say to you, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own by by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes out before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice." A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. All right, let's pause for a moment there. So Jesus is saying this. He's saying, listen, there's a lot of pretenders out there, a lot of wannabes, a lot of people who would presume to be the leader of the sheep. But he says, they're all thieves and robbers. How can you tell? They're in it for themselves. They're not about the sheep. They don't care about the sheep. They're in it for themselves. So how can you tell then the real deal from the fake? Jesus says this. He says, the sheep always know the voice of the shepherd. You know, this is kind of an interesting thing. That sheep will respond and know the voice of their shepherd. They will follow when they're called. But they won't respond to the voice of a stranger. They'll run the other way. And so part of what Jesus is saying here is if you were really God's sheep, if you were really God's people, you would know my voice just like this blind man knew me. 
It's an interesting thing how the sheep are able to recognize the voice of the shepherd and follow. It kind of reminds me of this story. So uh, do you guys know Tom Madden? He's one of the pastors here. He's got the white hair and the beard. You guys give me a nod or a shake or you know Tom. Okay, Tom's a wonderful guy. Tom and I had... um, Tom and I had lunch uh, a couple weeks ago, and we were at Crocker Park, and we were, it was the, the, like the one nice day we've had, and so we were sitting out on the patio, and, uh, and I was facing the street, and Tom was, had his back to the street, he's facing me. Now, the thing you need to know about Tom is that Tom's a big motorcycle buff. He loves Harleys, he used to have a Harley, and all that kind of stuff. So we're sitting there, and uh, at some point, this motorcycle comes going down the street, you know, and, and Tom immediately whips around. And he looks and he's like, that's a Harley. And he, you know, this is, it's, you know, this model and make and all this kind of stuff. And wow, you know, okay, cool. Ten minutes go by. Another motorcycle goes by. Really loud. You know, it's going by. Tom doesn't turn around. Wasn't a Harley. He didn't even turn around. (laughs) Ten more minutes go by. Another motorcycle. And it's a Harley again. And Tom turns around. And I said, Tom, we're sitting here. Three motorcycles go by. You only turn around when a Harley goes by. And he said, I can tell by the sound. That's an incredible thing. Tom doesn't need anyone to tell him if it's a Harley or not. He can tell just by the sound. Just like sheep know the shepherd's voice just by the sound of his voice. They know the real deal. Nobody needs to tell them. Let's keep going. Verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. So there's one of our I am statements. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. Anyone who, anyone, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. All right, so a couple comments here. Number one, notice what Jesus says in John 10, verse 10. I have come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. So often when people think of Christianity, they think of a type of moralism that will mean that life is not really going to have that much life in it. You know, church and Jesus and religion, it all came to suck the life out of living, didn't it? But that's not what Jesus says. You know, and also some Christians act that way, like it's supposed to be that way. But that's not what Jesus says. He says, I have come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. I didn't come to take life away from you. I came to offer you life that is really life. Now, the other thing I want to point out there in John 10.10 
is that notice that he says, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. It doesn't just say eternal life. A lot of times Christians boil down Christianity to, I follow Jesus so I can get to heaven someday. And gang, there is so much more to it than that. There is so much more to it than that. Jesus didn't come simply so you could have eternal life. He came so that you could have life abundantly now and forever. So Jesus says this thing that I think is kind of interesting. He says, I am the door. Well, that, that seems as an odd thing to claim to be. But here's what he means. When he talks about this sheepfold or a sheep pen, picture kind of a circular fenced in area and, and Jesus, where Jesus lived at the time, it would have been a stone fence and there would have been a gap at the entrance where the sheep could come in and go out. Well, oftentimes there wasn't an actual gate on a hinge or anything like, like that. And so what the shepherd would do at night, he would bring the sheep into the sheepfold and the shepherd himself would lay down at the entryway. The shepherd himself would be the gate. He would literally lay his body down for the life and the protection and the well-being of the sheep. So when Jesus says, I'm the door, that's what he means. So if you want to know the real test of a shepherd, which shepherd is the real deal and which shepherd is the pretender, the true shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, Jesus says, they run for their lives. And so Jesus is telling these Pharisees who are questioning him, you know, you want to know if I'm the true shepherd or not? Here's going to be your proof. I will lay down my life on the cross for my sheep. And then I will take it up again at the resurrection. That will be your proof. That will be your proof that I am the good shepherd. In Ezekiel 34, I'm the good shepherd who has come for his sheep. I love what uh, N.T. Wright says. He's a, a New Testament theologian. He says this, The false shepherd saves his prospects at the cost of his reputation. Sorry, let's go back. That's not the first slide. You tricked me. The definition. Here we go. I knew it didn't sound right. The definition of a true shepherd is that he isn't in it for his own profit. That's just what we said. In fact, the supreme test of what he's in it for will come when he's faced with a choice. Next slide. A predator appears, a lion, a wolf, or a bear. And you can tell the difference between the true shepherd and the false shepherd, the false one, by what, when, they, when they do, by what they do. The false shepherd saves his prospects at the cost of his reputation. The true shepherd shows who he is by being prepared to die for the sheep. Jesus, in this passage, tells us, in his own words, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the one who was promised to come in Ezekiel chapter 34. And how can you tell? Because he lays down his life on the cross for you and for me and for anyone who hears the voice of the shepherd and comes following. What did Jesus think about it for a moment? What did he have to gain by going to the cross and going willingly? Fame? No, there's probably better ways to get that. Fortune? No. Power? No. By my reckoning, the only thing that he gains is you and me and anyone else who hears his voice and follows.
And you know what? It was worth it to him. Here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Why did Jesus do it? Why did he endure the cross for the joy set before him? And what was that joy? Folks, by my reckoning, I can't see how it's anything else but you and me and anyone else who hears the voice of the shepherd and comes following. So I don't know what in your mind's eye, how you see God when you, when you think about him. What you picture, what you imagine, what you think he's like. Do you see him as the good shepherd? The one who cares for you and loves you and pursues you who's there to heal your wounds and lead you and guide you. Maybe, maybe you've seen him most of your life as a tyrannical father who could never be pleased. Or maybe a good God who's plenty nice but just way too busy for me. I don't know how you have seen him. But it's my hope and my prayer for all of us this morning that as we see the words of Jesus and look at him and evaluate him according, according to what he's said about himself, that we'll, we will see that he is the good shepherd. He is the one that was prophesied in Ezekiel 34, the one that was promised. And he's come for his sheep. And how do we know he's the real deal? Because he's laid down his life for you and for me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you're the good shepherd. We thank you for the way you love us and you care for us and you pursue us. And God, I just ask for each of us that you would continue to reveal yourself to us more and more each day. God, help us to come to know you and love you and follow you. Help us to know your voice beyond, the shadow, beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are our good shepherd and wherever you lead, we will follow. Amen.